Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. This is the Hometown Roofing Pop and Pony Podcast, presented by Hometown Roofing. Put your trust in us and powered by Bowser Chevrolet. Here's Bob Pompiani from KDKA-TV and Andrew Filipponi from 93.7 The Fan. We are so happy to have with us Hall of Famer Rick Barry, one of the best in the game, uh, and a man who I think should be a foul shooting consultant by so many... People in basketball. I don't understand it because I would be, if it was me, the first guy I would call is Rick Well, Barry. how about Pitt? That's why they lost to <laughs> Miami in the ACC tournament. They were like 3 of 12 from the free throw line, which to me is just unacceptable that an ACC team would shoot like that, Bob. Rick, I know you do a lot of things. How much would you charge for that? My goodness, if I were a foul shooter at any level, I'd say, Rick, help me out because you were one of the pure guys, but you did it in a very unorthodox way. Yeah, well, the problem is is that for some reason uh, the players have an aversion to it, and I guess they feel the same way that I felt when my dad, when I was in high school, said, son, I think you should try the underhanded free throw, which is the way he shot when he played semi-pro and coached. And I say, well, hey, dad, I, I can't do that. Everybody's going to make fun of me because back then that's the way the girls shot. But the girls don't shoot that way anymore. So what the mm-hmm. hell difference does it make what you do at the free throw line? Isn't it the result that really matters? Right. I mean, my son Canyon, who does it, uh, you know, my son Brent did it in college and actually shot in the high 80s. I don't know why he switched, but he still was a really good free throw shooter up in the 80s. But um, my son this year just played in the in the G League and finished the season. He was perfect from the free throw line. He didn't miss a free throw and uh, shot 100%. So I, I just don't understand it. I mean, how do you live with yourself, seriously, when you're playing a sport where the only time during the course of a game you have the same distance, the same size ball, the same size basket. No one's trying to prevent you from doing it by defending you, and you can't make four out of every five. You should be ashamed of yourself. Yeah, <laughs> I'm with you, Rick. You said aversion to it because of the, your, I guess you're saying uh, the optics of it don't look right. I mean, that's yeah. Well, it's just the people they they look at it and they see it and they hear everybody oh the granny style and everything and all oh, looks that way. You know, I mean, you know, Shaq said he'd rather shoot zero than shoot that way. Wow what 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 is the what is the mindset behind that I just don't I don't understand I mean the whole object is to make the highest percentage you can make and it's the only part of the game of basketball where you can be totally selfish and help your team Rick Barry's one of those guys ladies and gentlemen if you if you don't know uh, one of the best in the game Hall of Famer top fifty all time won a championship with Golden State and since then they have won more because of <laughs> Steph Curry and company. Um, I want to get your thoughts, though, on Pete Maravich, because I know you probably, more than any of us, I'm from Aliquippa, Pennsylvania. Pete Maravich was born there. Uh, and press I, Maravich. Press, yes. It's but, a big deal. But he was so far ahead of his time. Rick, Pete Maravich, if he were playing today, uh, what would he be like? 
Well, I mean, the guys today, a lot of them do the kind of stuff that Pete did, which was unusual, the way he could handle the ball and the things that he could do. But nowadays, it changed. Hell, when I was playing, I was the first point forward. Everybody said, man, Rick Barry could really handle the ball. I could dribble righty, lefty, and a crossover. That was the extent of my ball handling skills, and everybody raved about it. To be honest, if I was playing today, I would have to be a better ball handler. I would have to practice it. But what does that take? That just takes hours and hours in in the, in the facility where you can dribble the basketball, do all of the different drills they have, two ball drills. You can learn to be an outstanding ball handler just by putting the time and effort into it. And, you know, Pete obviously would have still been a great player today. The problem with Pete was is that he never played, I don't think, on the right team to utilize his skills and talents to their fullest. I had the, the, the pleasure of, of getting to know Pete, and we actually went on a tour after we retired over to Asia with Phil Jackson and Bobby Dandridge and a bunch of other guys, mm-hmm. and it was really a lot of fun. And, and you know, Pete, in fact, one game, I, Phil Jackson, I said, Phil, we're playing the Taiwanese national team. I said, look, they're playing the 2 one zone. Let me play point because I was you know, way taller than those guys. I'm gonna, I said, Pete, I'm just going to come down, and I'm going to go hard and split the two, the two guys at the top. Just go in the seam on either side, and you're going to be wide open. So I think I had 16 assists in the game, and 14 of them were to Pete. So, I mean, we just we just had a good time. Pete was a heck of a shooter, an amazing scorer. If they had the three-point shot back when he played, he might have been able to score 50 points a game. How about you as a three-point shot? You yeah. never had it, did you? No. Well, but I never – I had the shot in, in the ABA and did it. I, I got up to being a 33% free, uh, three-point shooter, which is equivalent to 50 from twos, which is good. You know, the, the break-even point is where you go – not the break-even, but the acceptable is 30%. 30%. If you're below 30%, you have no business ever shooting unless the clock's running out. Mm-hmm. 33 is, you know, is, is good. <laughs> But if I were playing today, I would not be satisfied unless I was a 40% or better three-point shooter. Rick, what was Maravich? There's a, there's a lot of there's been a lot of discussion over the years about the influence his dad had on him and the way he pushed him and the in the type of player he created in his son that, you know, w- w- about, you know, maybe the, the the game being about him, you know, him being the, the center of attention, that sort of thing. You buy into those theories with Pete? You obviously know much better than the two of us. No, no, no. Pete, Pete's dad just tried to, you know, teach him and make him to be as good as he could be, and he made him into a, a unique player. I mean, there was nobody like Pete when he played. Uh, the guy put up numbers that were insane. He could handle and do things with the basketball that players back in those days never did. And then all of a sudden, it became, you know, the invoke thing to do. Now the problem is, is there's too damn much dribbling. I mean, these guys dominate the basketball, and I, I always tell my players when I coach the minor leagues, I said, "How do you expect to throw a pass if you're dribbling the ball all the time?" Now, for a point guard, it's one thing because he's looking to do that and he's watching carefully. That's his role, or at least it used to be. But, Chris, now there's the scoring point guard. Give me the passing point guard. That's the guy I want to play with. Uh, and so, you know, now it's a situation where there's too much dribbling and you can't make a pass. I mean, when I got the ball on the wing, now guys get it. They're dribble, 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 dribble. That's what's happening. You can't be as effective dribbling the ball as you are if you have it in your hands and you're trying to beat your, your defender. Now, the problem is, is that you don't want to have the ball get locked up and tied down. That's what I love about my son, Canyon. He moves without the ball. You get it. You see your defender. You make a quick move. You try to use your first dribble to get by him. You don't just hold on to the ball and make the offense stagnant. If you don't do some, if you can't do something really quickly with the basketball as far as attacking the basket and driving or getting off a shot, pass the ball and move and cut. That's fun to watch. Somebody just, I just saw something I got from somebody, some highlights and stuff of the, of the Celtic teams with Bird and McHale and, and Parrish and those guys and Danny Age and Dennis Johnson. I mean, the way they pass the basketball and move and cut, 
It was like that's what the Warriors did when they had that great run. That's the way the game was designed to be played. That's the way it's much more fun from the standpoint of a player and from a spectating standpoint to watch that kind of basketball. This one-on-one domination and holding the ball for 15 or 20 seconds of the possession, to me, is not fun to watch. And Maravich got to Boston late, Rick. It would have been interesting had Auerbach and those, had him earlier, don't you think? Yeah, no question. He, he got there late on. I mean, there were a lot of – I tried to go. In fact, if they didn't – I was going to go play with Boston. Mm. At the end of my career, I had, I had a knee operation in 1980 after the season was over, and I hadn't felt that good in over 10 years where I didn't have pain in my knee. And, and that summer I had two young guys. I had Marcus Johnson and, and uh, Walter Davis up at my, my basketball camp for kids, and we would scrimmage at, at lunchtime and, the, and with the counselors and let the kids watch. And I, was, I ate those guys' lunch, and I was 36 <laughs> years old at the time because I felt so good physically. I never played again. Because the league, this is how it changed. In 1980, the league cut the rosters to 11 to save money. How's that? Wow. Cut it to 11. Is, that, is that by now one guy? 15. Is that one guy? Yeah, cu- now they got 15. They have 15 oh. and two guys in the G, two guys that are up in, you know, that are two way players. They have 17 guys. And I was going to go with Boston and play because a lot of guys did it. Bill Walton did it. Scotty Wedman did it. Tony uh, Archibald did it. Uh, Pete did it. I was going to go and, and would have loved to have done that, been with Bird and McHale and those guys. It would have been awesome. But I, I never played again because the rosters got cut. Pete, uh, Pete, I'm thinking of Maravich. Rick, what do you think about the Euro step in basketball? And how? Well, that's great if it's not a travel, but so many times it's a travel, it doesn't get away with it. <laughs> but you like the move I itself. Like, I, I, would love to, I would love to have an extra step when I was playing. <laughs> <laughs> Seems like everybody's like, doing it. I would, lo- I, would love to, I would love to have been able to carry the ball. The carrying that goes on with the basketball, with the way guys handle it and dribble it, it, it's ludicrous. I was just watching something the other night. One of the one of the games, I turned them on and watch them. I, I I said, "Oh my God!" I mean, right in front of the official, it was such a blatant carry of the basketball, and they let him get away with it. And I blame the officials in the league for allowing this to happen. All of this stuff that takes place, the blame doesn't fall on the players. The blame falls on the officials for not not going ahead and going according to the rule book. Same thing with moving screens. Hell, a couple of years back when I was doing a, a number of things and doing some radio shows. I charted a game between the Atlanta Hawks and, and the, uh, I think it was Chicago Bulls. There were 59 moving screens that weren't called. <laughs> 59. Wow. That's something. Um, you like the, speaking of today's game, you like how it's, in, at least in the NBA, it's all three? It's, can you, can you no, make the three defend like the three? I don't, I don't like the all three stuff. I mean, it's fine to do that. I mean, you've got great shooters, and it works you know, nicely, but you live and die with the three. I mean, it cost the Warriors a championship against Cleveland. They died with the three-point mm-hmm. shot when, mm-hmm. when Draymond got thrown out and suspended for a game. In Game 7, the last four minutes and 20 seconds of that championship series, the Game 7 probably is the worst offensive performance in the history of NBA Game 7s. <laughs> There was one basket scored, a three-pointer by Kyrie Irving, and one of two free throws by LeBron James. Everything the Warriors did was from three-point range. They missed everything, and it cost them a championship. Wow, that's amazing, and it's true. Uh, not many teams can live with a three. I guess Golden State is probably one of the Well, there's no back-to-the-basket big man anymore either. No, you know, that's well, completely you know, changed. Whoa, 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 whoa. Here's the thing. See, everybody says that. I'm, I'm serious. I'm not saying it to make you look bad and stuff. You don't have to have a big man to play and post sure. up. I used to post up a six-foot-one guard when I played, and I just had—I was just talking to Baron Davis the other day. Baron, if I was coaching you when you were playing, I said I would have posted you up because he's a big, strong guy. Mm-hmm. He could—he was a beast in the post. And what? Who better to have if they're going to have to come and double you than your point guard passing the ball? Right. Out? Yeah, I'm not saying that back to the basketball, uh, back to the basket, basketball or post up is is inefficient. I'm just saying that the 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 seven-foot guy. That you dump the ball into and run the offense through—that's pretty much extinct. 
is what I meant by that, well, right? Yeah, you got Jokic now. That's why I love watching him play. Well, he plays away from the basket a lot, too. Well, no, not all the time. Not all the time. He gets down in there, and he's a lot of time he's at the top of the key, yep. and they run stuff, and they put High other post. people down in the post. I yep. mean, so he, he's more like a, a you know a center. That's the kind of center you want to have. You don't want to have a guy that can only score down in the block three or four feet from the basket. I mean, he's got all of the skills necessary, and he can pass the ball, and he sees the court. I mean, he had a, he's got a bunch of triple-doubles already this season, and that's a team to watch out for. They didn't start off really well, but they were playing really well going into the break, so keep an eye on that team the way they play. It's the Hometown Roofing Pop and Pony podcast powered by Bowser Chevrolet. We're speaking with uh, Rick Barry here, one of the best ever to play the game, and uh, I want to ask you about the salaries and what's happened to them and what was the most you ever made when you played and do you ever think man i was born a little too soon no i think that all the time uh <laughs> i said to my mom thank god rest her soul when she's alive I said, mom why couldn't you have just waited you know about 10 years to have me i mean i would have you know i could have bought you the house you wanted i could have done so many other things for you uh yeah no it's uh it, it's astonishing the lowest paid guy in the nba this season will make twice as much money as I made in the best year I ever had. And this is a guy that never plays. Yeah. Wow. I mean, he doesn't even play. Rick, speaking of, um, you know, we've got a lot of probably younger listeners that don't remember when Pittsburgh had a pro basketball team. Uh, Pipers, Condors here. Uh, Take us back in time. What was ABA basketball? Like, give people a sense for what the American Basketball Association was all about well, when you played it. Was in it. Wide, it was a wide-open game. It was, you know, a perimeter game. I mean, obviously, it was it was kind of like what's happening to the NBA now. It's becoming a three-point shooting game. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody jacking up the ball from outside. But they had some great players. I mean, the, the Pittsburgh Pipers had, uh, had Connie Hawkins, who was a great, great player. And then they had another guy named John Brisker, who was just a crazy guy. guy you never wanted to turn your head. He was a tough, tough guy. In fact, I heard later on that he actually became a mercenary and got killed over in uh, Africa or something. Um, but yeah, he was, he was quite the character to say the least, but yeah, it, it was, uh, it, it was very interesting. I also, pl- I played against the Pittsburgh, you know, the university of Pittsburgh, Brian Generalovich. How's that? Oh, I remember that? Brian Generalovich <laughs> played against him and you know, we had a Christmas tournament and they came down and we played against them, uh, down in the, uh, in the Miami, uh, tournament that we had at christmas time mm-hmm. so uh yeah it's interesting but yeah it, it was it, it was fun basketball there's no question about it was it on par with the nba product at the time rick i mean as a big you know you were obviously a huge draft no. pick no okay no no it wasn't on par overall because we didn't have any really big guys until artist gilmore came in i mean one of the guys that did something was dan Issel, but he was more like a power forward mm-hmm. and then artist came into the league and artist is a major factor there and they started to get some other guys but they, they just didn't have the quality of the big men that they had so, uh, but nowadays, like you, as you just you know mentioned, all the seven footers want to shoot three point sh- shots. I mean, they want to become three point shooters, and you know they don't they don't want to go in down under and play inside. I still think inside out is the most effective way to play. If you've got somebody who can dominate inside, you can still create all kinds of opportunities for yourself on the perimeter, uh, and you can always get up a three point shot. Uh, I, I just I have a hard time watching a lot of teams. Although I will say this recently. I've noticed that more teams are passing the ball a lot. But the thing is, most of the time, it's just passing it around to get a three-point shot mm-hmm. as opposed to passing, cutting, going to the basket, trying to get the easy basket inside. It's more designed to get a three-point opportunity. Rick, you were unique in the fact that you led the NCAA, if I'm not mistaken, the ABA and the NBA all in scoring. I don't know how many people in the history of the game have ever Nobody. done it. Nobody's Nobody. Nobody's done it. Nobody nope. ever do it again. Wow. Correct, because they're not bringing the ABA back, Bob. I think. No, Rick's but I mean, even <laughs> even N- even NBA and NCAA oh, no doubt. to lead both. I mean, it's absolutely. Pretty, but you also averaged forty. I was reading, and and um, I didn't. I wasn't aware of this uh, in a 
a final series, you averaged 40 a game. <sighs> yeah, it was a record. It was a record for many decades. Uh, Michael broke it, but the only reason he broke it is Michael got to play in an overtime game. And uh, if it wasn't for the overtime game, I still would have had the record. Mm-hmm. I didn't play in an overtime game, so he got a little extra time and scored a bunch of points in there that put him just barely past me. But that doesn't matter. The whole idea is not the records that mean anything. It's whether you win or lose that really mm-hmm. matters. In fact, I, I just found something out because the statistical thing that is taking place over in the world of sports these days. Yep. In the last five or six years, I have learned more things that I accomplished in my career that I had no idea <laughs> I had done because everybody comes up with these things. All of a sudden, hey, so-and-so just did this, and he joins the company of Rick Barry and this guy and that guy. Oh, really, I did that. That's interesting. I mean, I had no idea because I only play. I played to win, and that's all I cared about. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I still – I think I have, I, I have the, uh, the all-time career record for average in NBA finals. Wow. Rick, where do you um, w- 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 when you are asked to put your two cents into the Michael Jordan, LeBron debate or discussion? What do you usually say? There is no discussion, and there always is a discussion. Everybody's who's the greatest of all time. I said, hell, when I played, the, the goat was the guy that screwed up the game. Wasn't the greatest of all time. Uh-huh. Uh, and 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 in team sports, I mean, people just have to get this. I go nuts when I listen to the talking heads on TV, and, and when I hear players, especially press players. You can never pick the best player in a team sport. You have to have a discussion, which could be a really interesting one. Who's the best at each position? Because the skills required to play each position are different. So you can't say that Michael is better than LeBron because Michael played a different position than LeBron. I look at Michael as a two who could play one. I look at LeBron as a three who could also play two or one. But he's a three. Okay, mm-hmm. he's the best three that's ever played the game. Okay, this guy's amazing and stuff. You know, although all of his skills aren't the same, there's never the great you know shooter and then you know comparable to a guy like Bird. But he's still, I think, the greatest three to play. Michael's the greatest two, and the story makes it simple. Who's the best five? Will Chamberlain. Oh, not even close. Not even. I would agree with that. A lot of people don't want to bring that name up because they're no, focused on no current times. Will Chamberlain was. They start bringing up other names, and I say, are you out of your freaking mind? <laughs> I mean, if you just look at what Wilt had done, Wilt was in a class by himself. I mean, this, this, there isn't anybody even reasonably close to him. Bill Russell had the most impact of helping a team win championships, but look at the players he was surrounded with. Sure. I mean, he played with some of the greatest players of all time, and he was an amazing form defensively and all, but all the skills required to play the center position, you can't pick anybody better than Wilt Chamberlain. Wow. Rick, I want to ask you this because I find it interesting in the way the game has evolved. It's almost like a pickup game. Uh, in other words, everybody talks big three, big three. Every city has a big three. Well, and guys sit out until they, they get sit traded. Out Harden, what he did, I thought was yep. reprehensible. He's a great player, but, I mean, he just forced an issue. A lot of guys do that. How do you, how do you uh, think about that when you hear these kind of things happening? It almost takes the power away from a general manager. Yeah, well, what I think it's, you know, Wilt, I got to know Wilt after I had retired quite, really quite well, and I really, really liked Wilt a lot. Uh, Wilt wrote a book, I think it was the last book he did, it was called The Inmates Are Running the Asylum, hmm. <laughs> which, which is really kind of true. It, it's just incredible, the power that they have, and they now give to players. And, you know, they, you know, they, they bend and kowtow to them and, you know, try to, try to do whatever they can do, but guys do it. If you don't want to play, you can make a stink and do it. They'll probably wind up trading you. What I said years ago, I remember when Derek Coleman was doing stuff with the Nets, I said, you know, the greatest thing they could do, bring him in with his agent and whoever the hell it is they want to have in there and say, here's the deal. We have tried to get you to conform to play the game the way that we as a team and an organization want the game to be played. You seem to have another agenda. So here's the deal. 
We don't want to see you again. We'll notify you when we'll find some team who was stupid enough to take you and your lousy attitude. And if we can do that, we'll let you know, and then you can go and play for them. And just tell us where you want your checks at. We'll bite the bullet. We'll swallow it. But you're not going to play basketball anymore. Uh, Rick, I want to ask you about um, another old-timer, you know, somebody that you know everyone here knows the name and knows the logo but might not have the stories that you have. How about Jerry West for a second? When Rick Barry hears that name come up, uh, what do you make of him as an all-time great? Well, I got to be friends with Jerry and, and got to know him as a rookie, uh, and he was very helpful to me in some of the conversations we had of getting prepared to be able to play in the NBA, but uh, you know the logo himself. and the, and But Jerry was the greatest two-guard until Michael came along. Okay, it's pretty simple. What made him? What made him that kind of player, uh, Rick? For well, people that weren't able to watch outstanding. him, like Michael, like Michael, he was good on both ends of the floor. Really knew the game. Mm-hmm. Was an outstanding, you know, shooter from you know, we didn't have the three point shot. Outstanding shooter could get to the basket. Was a great free throw shooter. He was just an outstanding all around basketball player. And you know, his, his nickname was Mister Clutch. You know, so I mean, that speaks for itself. But without question. He was the best two until uh, Michael came along. And, you know, Michael, I, I still think, you know, is the best two without question. All right, Rick, before we let you go, I have – I'm a passionate golfer. Andrew is kind of medals in it. But I was <laughs> I was really intrigued with the fact that you – and from what I understand, you kind of just picked up golf because you were inspired to compete in a long drive contest. Is that how that went? And you end up winning four of them worldwide? How does oh, that happen? Yeah, no, I – no, I, I played I played golf. I, I got introduced to it when I was in college. It never was something that was a passion of mine. It's too hard to be fun. Mm-hmm. Golf is way <laughs> too difficult to be fun, uh, if you, especially if you're a perfectionist. It's very frustrating. The better I got, I got that will be a one handicap. The better I got, the more frustrated I got, and the more time you have to spend to keep yourself at that level. But it's an incredibly challenging game. I have I have the most the utmost respect for professional golfers. Because I really got to understand the game. I broadcast the game for years doing it and got to know a lot of the greatest players and Nicholas and Palmer and, and player and, and so many of the guys that I know, Ray Floyd's a dear friend of mine. I know so many of those pro golfers. What they do is astonishing. There's not another sport I know of where you have to go out four days and be at your best to have a chance hmm. to be a champion and win that event. It's just so, so demanding. And and it's it's so much mental to it. I mean, it's just an incredible, difficult game. In fact, I was with Jack Nicholas. Uh, well, I think it was almost like maybe a year ago. I happened to be with Jack and doing talking about some other things. And I said, Jack, can you correct me if I'm wrong? I'm telling everybody that golf is a sport that can never be mastered. Am I right or wrong? He said, absolutely correct. You just can't master the game. It's just too difficult. But so what I missed was the competition when I retired. People ask me, do you miss playing basketball? I say, no. And they look strangely at me. I say, I don't miss it because I never think about it. Why would I want to think about something that I would be terribly depressed knowing that I'll never get to do this again for the rest of my life when I love the game so much and just, just got so much joy out of putting on a uniform and going out and competing. And I missed the competition. So I was introduced to someone that showed me a, a different type of swing, whatever, and to get into golf for long driving. They had the, the long driving competition and so i got into that and i wound up winning four four competitions i i should have won six i came really close in two other ones and but i kept winning you know but they got rid of that division because i kept getting older and it was the old farts playing and they didn't really care about it but it was still fun i mean i got the butterflies you know ready to go out go to compete and you know i you know even at my advanced age i could still hit it over 300 yards so you don't play the senior tees then Oh God, no, no. Well, if I was going to go out, the you know, no, I play the regular tees normally when I play. Yeah, 
<laughs> Do everybody a favor. <laughs> hey, Rick, thanks so much yeah. for doing this. The, 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 the hey, real back- quickly, tell, tell anybody if they're interested, if they're, if they're interested at all, there's an opportunity if you, if you have some issues. Go to Go Sleeves, Go Sleeves, S-L-E-E-V-E-S dot com okay. forward slash RB24. Go Sleeves forward slash RB24. These are some amazing things. That I don't even have a major problem with my knees, but they have knee sleeves and they have stuff for your for your calves and other items. Oh, I could use well. that. Yeah, I could use some. Let me tell you, let me tell you something, guys. These things are good. They got kinesio tape in them. They're the best things I've seen. I've tried a bunch of stuff. If you go there and go GoSleeves.com forward slash RB24, you'll be able to go there and be able to go there. You've been listening to the Hometown Roofing Pump and Pony Podcast. Hometown Roofing, put your trust in us. Powered by Bowser Chevrolet. Join us each week for another Hometown Roofing Pump and Pony Podcast.